special episode of Brutal Battle. Um, there's no extra text in there, really. It's just a special episode. We've not done anything like this before. Um, this episode, we're going to talk about the um, Wicked Weed acquisition by Anheuser-Busch InBev. Um, and I don't know, maybe in the future we'll do some more of these type episodes if something strikes our fancy that we feel like we really, really want to or need to talk about. Um, I thought about rolling this in to a um, brewery showcase episode for Wicked Weed, because I've been planning to do one of those for months now, and we still will do one, but then I thought, you know, it's a, it's, for a lot of people, it's a very negative thing that they were purchased by Anheuser-Busch InBev, so if we're going to do a brewery showcase episode, episode for Wicked Weed, which we still are, I want to keep that positive, um, because usually, like, that's what the episodes are about, is about talking about the positivity of a brewery. So we'll still do that down the line, um, be looking for that. But for this episode, we're just going to talk about in in depth um, kind of both the sides that we see with the acquisition of Wicked Weed and what we also see with long-term game plan of Anheuser-Busch InBev and um, our feelings on it as well. So we want to you know, present both sides, but also give what we think. And you can choose to go with us. You can choose to go against us. It's up to you totally. Uh, but as this is a brutal battle episode, we must drink some beer while we talk about this. So we do have two beers that we're going to sip on while we have this discussion and who knows how long it'll take. But basically what we did, we just ran to the fridge. I grabbed a beer, Rebecca grabbed a beer and we're just going to sip on them. So we'll, we'll go through, do our normal thing where we'll evaluate them first. Then we'll get into the heavy stuff. So if anybody doesn't want to hear the discussion but just wants to hear the stuff about the beers, you can do that and then bail. It's up to you. Bail. But, but there's some good discussion that should be had. So I will go first in what I picked. Um, so this is a beer that actually we've had a few of recently. I'm a real big fan of it already. So I've already tasted it, but I'll go through everything anyway. It's a collaboration beer between Union uh, Craft Brewing out of Baltimore and D.C. Brow Brewing out of Washington, D.C. Both breweries that we enjoy, and they collaborated on this. It's a farmhouse-style IPA called Yonder Cities, and the can is friggin' insane. Uh, it is, one, it's got a face on it where it's one of those things where, like, if you have the can sitting upright, it looks like one face if you flip it upside oh, down. I've never, I didn't know that. It looks like Let a different see. face, yeah. I, which I know there's there's an actual like artistic oh, term yeah. for that, but I don't, I can't recall anything like that. Oh, yeah. uh, and it's like super trippy. It's got like wavy lines. It's like neon green and neon pink. And it's just like a super awesome can. So uh, check out the website, BrutalBattle.com, and the, uh, like the notes for this episode because they'll show... Um, the cans. I'll have a picture of the can there. Well, Carlin sent me to the liquor store to buy it. And he's like, oh, this new beer came out. Yonder Cities. And he's like, you can't miss it. I'm like, I can't miss it. Yeah, you can't miss it. And he was trying to describe a little bit. And then, sure enough, I was like, just, just like gazing up and down the shelves and boom i'm like yep no you cannot miss it it is it stands out like crazy which is a i mean kind of a cool yeah. marketing thing in my opinion so farmhouse ipa which this is not the first farmhouse ipa that union has done um this is their first collaboration that actually i've never had a collaboration beer that they've done before so this is the first collaboration i've done or i've had so it's very clear um a little yellowish yeah, mostly yellow but orange, like a little orange tinge with the yellow. Yeah, super clear. Yeah, it's got a nice little fluffy head on top and the smell. Ooh, oh my gosh. Just like light and crisp. It's so crisp. Yeah. So there's so much citrus coming through on it. Yeah. I'm but there's so much of that kind of farmhouse yeast like. Yeah. Almost a little bit of a medicinal aspirin-y note to it, but it's not too much. It's just a hint. A little banana, a little clove, but not yes. too much. Yeah. Because I typically don't like that. Yeah. I feel like this is, for me, the nose, and eventually when we get to the flavor, because I already know about it, the 
All the aromas are folded into each other so well. Nothing outcompetes anything else. And I feel like that's the same with the flavor when we get to it. But that smell is awesome. Like you think IPA, you think farmhouse ale, you get all that wonderful stuff out of it. The citrus is really nice on the hops. The farmhouse aspect smells, it smells so crisp and clean. And then it brings, like Rebecca was saying, a little bit of banana, a little bit of that clove. And as I was saying, like a slight medicinal note, but not in a bad way. Yeah. Well, I remember the first time we had this beer and I stuck my nose in it. I'm like, holy cow, this smells amazing. I know. You think farmhouse IPA and... Usually it, it's more one or the other, you know, like it's, it's either way more farmhouse yeasty and it's more farmhouse or it's way more hoppy yeah. and it's more of the IPA. But this I think is like the perfect it in is. between. Yeah. So tasting. Yeah. Basically tastes like it smells, except yeah. I think the farmhouse is a little bit stronger than you get on the nose. I would agree um, it, does, it finishes a little more bitter than I remember. Mm. Well, this isn't like super, super fresh. It's not outside of yeah, no, where it's... I would drink it, but it's, I mean, the, the, the citrusiness has come down a little bit. It was more citrusy when it was fresher. Um, and just to give you a comparison, when we were talking about this, this is, uh, May 11th today. So, and it came out, I think it's probably got a can date, um, April 4th. So, yeah, it's just a little over a month. Um, but, you know, over that time, the hoppy, you know, the hop character does degrade a bit. But this is nice. Like, it's easy. All those flavors yeah. are there. Everything we got in the aroma, it's in the flavor. Except the sa- that saison, or the, like the farmhouse yeast is a little more pronounced. And I do get a tad bit more of that kind of medicinal quality that you will get with some of those styles. On the taste, you mean? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, I perceive a little of that banana. Yeah, um, it's good. I Like I said, it's just a tasty. little... It also could just be like mm. my palate from dinner. That is such a good beer. Like, I've, I've been enjoying this beer because... It's a great in-between. Like, if you're like, oh, I want something kind of, like, light and crisp and nice, but I also want something, like, flavorful and hoppy, Mm -hmm. and it's it's the great in-between. I love it. It's so well executed. I wish they would make this thing year-round. I would have it 24-7. Not as in drink it 24-7. I mean have it in the fridge 24-7. I'm like, what? So it's available whenever I would want it, which would probably be weekly. Yeah, it's good. All right, Rebecca, why don't you lead us on the other beer that we'll be sipping while we have our discussion. Okay. This was your pick. This was my pick. Um, it's by Block 15 Brewing Company out of Corvallis, Oregon. It is their Nebula. Their Super Nebula. Super. Um, it's a stout matured in bourbon barrels with cocoa nibs. And it is 11.25% ABV. Um, it is, it was aged in Heaven Hell Barrels. And this is a big thank you to Emily Bowling, who got it for us. Actually, I think she got it for me. I think this was a Christmas present. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So, thank you. Thanks, Emily. She, she highly recommended this beer. She's, um... She loves Block 15. Yeah, well, first of all, I like Block 15 quite a bit, too, from when we were out there, and she's said numerous times that, like, this is, like, one of the kind of creme de la creme beers, in her opinion. So, let's give it a shot. Man. It is obviously super dark. dark. There's, like, no head. What it is. Yeah, there is no head. When when I popped the uh, cap, I didn't hear much of any sort of carbonation release, so Mm. it might be very low on the carbonation. Sorry. I know. This has been your thing. Like, you were getting way too much, and now you're just not getting enough. Oh, my gosh. With this. There's so much bourbon and, like, chocolate on this. Oh, Mm -hmm. my gosh. It's like. You know, sometimes like you get like chocolate and beers, and it just tastes and smells so artificial. Yeah. This smells like Legit. pure, it's, like pure bliss. It's like a dark chocolate to me because there's a bit of a yeah, bitterness yeah. with it. 
But I get so many, so many aromas coming out, out at me. Tons of bourbon. Tons oh, yeah. of bourbon character. But along with that comes like a caramel aspect, a little bit of like a vanilla. There's some, um, what else am I looking for? There's a little, like a little bit of that, you know, oakiness. And there's a little raisiny uh, tinge around the edges. I'm getting, maybe, maybe it's my perception of vanilla, but it smells a little coconut to me. Um, Okay. But it's just, like, rich and velvety. Yeah, it smells super rich. Like, that dark chocolate is, like, a rich, deep, heavy, thick dark like, chocolate. Yeah, it smells like it's just going to be, like, so thick on the mouthfeel. Yeah. Like, kind of one of those, um, like a Kirchmeier candy. You know, like the bourbon Kirchmeier chocolates? No. Um, there's, a, there's a company that does chocolates. A lot of them have boob, booze infused in them. Boobs? Yeah, boobs infused in them. No, it's got booze infused in them, and there, um, there's one that's like a really nice chocolate that has bourbon in it. Yeah. You can taste a lot of the bourbon, but you get a lot of chocolate, obviously, because yeah. it is a chocolate. That's kind of what it smells like a bit to mm. me. Okay, so I took a sip. It's a big letdown. Yeah, it tastes sour. I think we. You I sat think it's on infected. Us. That tastes sour. It just is not good at all. Um, So basically what I do get on the flavor is sour cherry, and then that raisin, and then some, like, coffee. It's just like barfarama. Beer smells awesome. Tastes not good. Tastes like dookie. Ugh. Something went wrong with this beer. It's sour. Can I get a redo? Yeah, go grab something else. This this sucks. This is bad. I'm assuming that this was a good beer, but it got infected. Because um, I don't think Emily would actually say that she likes this because this is not a good beer. But... What are you doing? Alright, so Rebecca's going to go and, <laughs> and try and write this ship for us. Um, I don't know what to do with what's left in these. Okay, there you go. Redo. So, um, okay, so Rebecca's doing her redo. This is my redo. So this isn't the first time we've done something like this. And so this was actually going to be my first pick. And then I saw the nebula. But anyway, okay, so my now second pick is by Brooklyn. Um, and it is Brooklyn Intensified, their barrel-aged coffee porter, 11.8%, robust porter infused with Salvadorian coffee aged in bourbon barrels. Sounds good. But then again, so did the Super Nebula. Yeah. I mean, they even say on this bottle, this ale will evolve with age. Oh, okay, So you're supposed to, I mean, much like any beer like this, you're supposed to be able to age them like this, but... I don't think, I wonder if it wasn't capped well, and that's why it didn't have very good carbonation, and if there was enough space in the cap that was letting the carbonation out, it was potentially also letting bugs in to make it sour. Yeah. So, that's unfortunate. That's why I guess it's good to have a little, at least a little wax. Okay, now this is a corking cage. Yeah. You did this. I know. I hate, I hate these. Oh. Okay. We're okay. Whew. I think we're gonna it be really alright. It's like so stressful now. This beer was a uh, gift, wasn't it? I gave it to you. Oh, <laughs> it was a I gift was, for me to you. Come on, it man. It was like a gift. I don't know. Yeah, I gave it to you. This was one of my famous. Yeah, I see. I don't even know what. I'm not allowed. I'm not allowed yeah. to buy beer, but I bought this beer for you. Yeah, that's not really a gift. It is though. It's definitely still it's a so gift. so much a gift that I didn't even know it was a gift. Yes. So anyway. Okay. Um, it looks like a porter. It's, it's lighter. Brown. It's, yeah, brown. Yeah. You might be able to think it's like an imperial brown ale or something. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's very light looking. Mm, Not much bubble. head. Um, I have more head than you. Oh, yeah, you do. Large bubbles, though. Hmm. It smells very malty. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is a porter. That's what porters do. Well, I'm just commenting. 
So in comparison, the the bourbon character is significantly That's, less than yeah. what the Super Nebula was. I'm getting a lot more caramel on this, though. Yeah. Like the like toffee. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'd say definitely like toffee-ish. Because it's more of like a bit of a burnt type yeah. of caramel. Mm-hmm. Um, had a bit of chocolate on there. A little bit of coffee as well. I'm not does this kidding. have coffee added? Oh yeah, I yeah. think it does. Yeah. yeah. I don't get as much coffee as I would assume oh. if there's coffee added. On the nose, that is. Maybe the yeah. flavor will be different. I'm not getting though. a ton of bourbon, though. Um, Yeah, it's light. I definitely get it, but it's light. Mainly sweetness coming through, like that toffee and everything. A little bit of vanilla, too. Hmm. Ooh, yeah. It's good. It's tasty. It's not, like, the best beer I've ever had, but it tastes like I want it to taste, like it should taste. I'm oh. getting... All of the elements of the coffee and the bourbon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little too... Um, astringent. Astringent, yeah. Um, um, if I have to give it one critique, but it's yeah. not undrinkable. It's very warming in the back of your throat. You know that alcohol's there. Um, I think as you keep sipping it, you'll get a little yeah. more acclimated mm. to that. And as I'm already getting a little acclimated to it, I'm tasting more of that chocolate yeah. and a little more coffee that starts Agreed. coming out. As the astringency is taking more of a backseat. And I think as this warms up, it's going to be really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel it like is this, good. I like this yeah, beer. Yeah, this, this is, is really nice. good. Um, it, Vanilla coming through, plenty of bourbon. It's like it's perfect good. for a day like today because it's like cold, very cold for this time of yeah. year and rainy and you just want to like cuddle up on the couch and just sip this and it will just like warm your soul. Yeah. Well, and the other thing about this is it's kind of like, it's... It's got that nice bourbon character, and it holds up to the bourbon barrel aging while it's not super thick. Yeah. You know, like, typically I would think that the, these lighter lighter beers, these, you know, straight-up porters, would have a little bit of a hard time, might get overwhelmed by the bourbon, might not have enough of the other flavors to stand up to it. But this one definitely does. Yeah, it's very um, balanced, well-rounded. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Okay. Shoot, okay. So now we can move on. Beers. Okay. <laughs> now we can keep sipping on beers and we can we can move on to the actual topic. So it's been a huge thing. Um, most people listening to this probably know that Wicked Weed Brewing out of Asheville, North Carolina, was re- recently purchased by Anheuser Busch InBev. Do we know um, what the purchase price was? At this time, this is May 11th when we're recording this. No. And this is probably coming out in maybe two weeks from now or something around that time. Um, so during this time, we don't know. There's, okay. no, there's no price. That may come out over the time between now and when this gets released. I don't know, but just keep in mind when we're doing this. So we don't know that. We don't know a whole lot about the actual acquisition. Um, it was announced, I think it was on Wednesday? I think it was like last week. I think it's been two weeks maybe since it was announced. I don't think it's been two weeks. Um but oh, maybe it's just been one yeah. at this point. Yeah, it feels it like seems more, like because a lot's seems like been two, going on. Yeah, a lot has transpired, so it seems like that. So um, first, first, I want to get your take on any of your initial feelings about the purchase, either like that purchase, but also AB and Bev purchasing breweries in general. If you have any I mean, strong feelings, which you may not. Yeah. I feel, like, guilty for, like, thinking this, but part of me doesn't care. Right. You know, like, I feel like we've had a lot, we've had, like, a lot of conversation about this off podcast, which Carlin's like, we should just be recording this. So it's kind of hard for me to, like, rehash my initial feelings because I've already said them before. Well, Sam, like, it's, um, it's two new you know, people, you okay, know? two new people. Um, so, to the You know, the like, I... I mean, of course, it's always like my initial my initial gut reaction was, "Oh man, another sellout! Oh, that sucks." Um, but then, you know, it's kind of like you got to do what you got to do. Like for whatever reason, Wicked Weed thought that was the right business move for them, and you can't. I don't know. I feel like you can't fault them for that. You know, I mean, I know they're dealing with a lot of repercussions and backlash, and that's what you have to do when you make a business decision. You have mm-hmm. to stand by and deal with the repercussions. Um, you know, and if people choose not to support that brewery or not to buy that beer, you know, so be it. Um, I'm not really sure what, how I personally, like, I don't know if I'm going to, like, seek out 
and like support a brewery like that. But at the same time, I'm not going to like not drink their beer if I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I was saying is, you know, I think we, a lot of people are focusing on all the negative, but there are some people out there that I'm sure are thrilled by this decision right. because they're going to have access to yeah, I mean, most likely. I don't know how immediate well, yeah, the access yeah. will be, but the potential for Wicked Weed to get re- better distribution and reach more people, yeah. Um, well, you know, I that's mean, a positive. The big thing that that the acquisition brings is capital, you know, obviously, and that means that they can grow. You know, they can make more beer. They can use better ingredients if they want to. They can, you know, distribute further. You know, all those great things that a lot of breweries want to do. They want to grow. They want to reach more people. They want their product to be, you know, enjoyed by as many people as they can get them to. And they also want to be as profitable as possible because in the end, of the, in the end, it is a business. And I do think that one of the big problems that people fall into, and actually, as I'm saying this, I need you to know that I'm actually against the acquisition. So... I'm saying this as like a devil's advocate type thing because, like I was saying, we're gonna see, we're gonna talk about both sides no matter what. So when um, what was I saying? Hello. I don't know. You weren't listening to me. I was listening, but then you said devil's advocate, and oh, okay, then... okay, I know. So when people and then um, I thought I am the devil's advocate. No, and then okay, go ahead. Opinion. So. When I I think a lot of people tend to fall into this issue where they view craft beer as above commercialism. Right. And, and honestly, like some of these breweries, like they're just businesses, you know, like, well, it's like all the time, you know, you have a new brewery pop up and they don't know a damn thing about making beer. They just want to make money, you know, and then you have, it's area. And then you have people that really just want to do what they love and make a living doing it. And they don't want to be rich. Right. And you have that with every business. Yeah. You have different, different aims. And, you know, we support people and we give money to whatever we feel that as consumers, we put value in, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think it's great. And, you know, I mean, that's, for better or for worse, that's America. And that's... The American dream. And it is important to, to note that, and I don't think people think about it as much, when you are giving money to a product, you are supporting that product. You know, you're giving money to that company to continue doing what they're doing, but to also take that money and spend it how they, how they please. So you are endorsing it by purchasing it. Now... Whether that's good or bad, you know, like a lot of people are like, you know, it's craft beer, I'm endorsing it, it's local, it's, you know, this, that. And then there are people on the other side who are like, well, you know, this brewery sold to a much larger company who isn't all that craft beer industry friendly. Therefore, when I'm giving money to that brewery, that's getting fed up the chain and that's giving more money and more power to this, you know, company that's trying to destroy this industry, which is how a lot of people do feel about this. Well, actually, I don't know if I can even say a lot. I've seen a lot of people talking about that online, but you're going to see the the most negativity when things like this happen, not the most of, of positive. So yeah. it could be 50-50. It could be different than that. There could be mainly people who support it. I don't know. I mean, there's going to be a lot of consumers out there that are going to just be like, oh, we could weed. I heard about that and have no idea what right. went on. This is more... You know, the the really thinking about sides in this is mainly for the real beer geeks. Right. Which I do believe that the overwhelming majority of, like, true beer geeks uh, care, do care about preserving craft beer community. And also thinking, like we were talking about, in the situation of, you know, wanting to be those people who aren't trying to make some crazy massive profit want to support the the craft beer community, want to do good, you know, want to have a fun time making beer and make it about the community. And the, and the thing about that is when you do support your community, you're giving money, you're putting money back into your community yeah. and back into where you live, you know, so there's that aspect of it too, of keeping things local, which is good, but then, you know, on the flip side is then generally the product is more expensive. Mm-hmm. That's true, but then, but the money is also typically, you know, staying right. more in local. The, in the long run, the money is staying, yeah, more local, and that's what you want. Yeah, it's. But you know, obviously, a lot of people make a comparison between Anheuser Busch InBev 
and Walmart because Walmart is kind of similar in that they go in, they put a store in a community and they have their centralized location and they basically siphon the money out of the community. So there really have been instances where towns are being totally destroyed by, by a Walmart type deal because it, it kills the ability for, for local businesses to open up because Walmart covers so much stuff. When you can't compete with the prices. Exactly, because the prices are so low. Because people see, oh, I'd rather get lower prices, but then you're taking that capital out of your community, and it's, which, so it's not obviously reinvested. It just gets siphoned out, and then you can end up with a real problem. But that's mainly for smaller communities, like a lot in the Midwest and stuff like that. Um, and South. Actually, there's smaller communities I, there's, everywhere. I was That's just going to say, but, like, I know, like, you know, but I'm just thinking, like, where we are, I, th- I just think as things being a lot more dense because we're close to, like, New England and it just is more dense in that Yeah, sense. but, like, there's a lot of small towns in Pennsylvania. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, where my mom is. Like, they're, they just built a Walmart. That's, like, the only thing. Yeah. Exactly. And prior to that, there were mom pa stores and or you had to drive. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's. So there, there's the feeling of. This is fine, you know, uh, I like it, like we talked about. There are people who don't have any opinion on it. They're just kind of like, eh, whatever. Especially around where I am right now, there are some people who really don't have an opinion because they don't distribute here right now. Right. And people, you know, if they're not super in the know about craft beer, they don't even know what Wicked Weed is. So they're just like, ah. Sometimes it's also hard to have an opinion on something right away because you don't know how it's going to play out. Yeah, you, you don't, don't know, know the, the ramifications of the decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, you know, a positive could be the creation of more jobs. Yeah. Um, but. Which, which I think I should point out in that, in that sense that more jobs will, will add some capital to that, um, to those local communities because those people who work there live there and then they'll spend that money right. when they take it home yeah. and blah, blah, blah. So, but, um, so talking about repercussions, let's go back to what has transpired. Like, what are these oh. repercussions that have happened? Uh, and I actually have. First, I just want to want to throw out a quote because I do want to say, um, okay, back backpedaling a little bit. I have been talking with Wicked Weed for a while um, via email um, back when we were going down to Asheville back in uh, um, September of 2016. We had talked about trying to get an interview with someone at Wicked Weed. They were definitely open to it, but we were there for such a limited amount of time and it, like the schedule just didn't jive. So we weren't able to do that. So they left the door open for doing a phone interview, which we now have the ability to do phone interviews. So I had contacted them a few weeks ago uh, about doing that since I feel comfortable with where we are. I was feeling like the Wicked Weed episode for the brewery showcase was going to be coming up for us to do soon. And I figured let's couple that interview with the brewery showcase episode. So I reached back out to him. So we've been in talks about doing an over the phone interview. And I believe with, uh, it was originally said, I don't know who it would end up being for sure. Um, let me find who it is. Walt. Um, Walt Dickinson is who it was, who's, who's one of the founders of, of Wicked Weed and one of their blenders as well. He, he also does Ooh. blending, which they do an amazing job with their blending. Let's talk about that just briefly. I mean, we can't go too far into it. but um, So I'm just saying this to let people know that we've been talk, talking to them about trying to do an interview, which, you know, when this episode comes out, maybe that means they don't want to do it because we are going to say some negative things. Uh, but we're also saying positive things, so I want to keep it even keel, kind of, and I'm going to let my opinion be known, as Rebecca let her opinion be known. Um, but if we do do an interview with them, I will ask questions about the acquisition. Uh, if they don't want to answer it, you know, that's up to them. Um, but I will give them every, every opportunity to tell their side of the story, because truly we don't we don't necessarily know for sure why the sale happened. It could have been a situation where, that's just what they were looking for. It could have been a situation where, you know, maybe, I don't know, but maybe they had uh, shareholders and the shareholders outvoted the owners to make the sale and the owners didn't actually want to make it. That's happened before. That happened with the Legion Brewing. Um, so we don't know. Or maybe 
you know, there's some other extenuating circumstance. We don't know. So I would like to get the actual answer from someone so that it's out there. I feel like well, that'd be good. I mean, that's the other thing. I feel like a lot of people are jumping to conclusions. Like, and you and do. Speculate. Yeah. yeah. And that's natural, but it's like, let's let the dust settle and see what happens. But I do think you can kind of base things off of press release. Well, yeah. So the, you know, the press release that came out from Wicked Weed, and this came from Walt Dickinson, uh, this was his quote from the press release about the sale. This is an exciting time for the entire brewing team. Our ability to create a wide range of really well-executed beers that are focused on creativity, quality, and drinkability is what makes Wicked Weed great. We have chosen a partner with The High End, which is owned by Anheuser-Busch InBev. Uh, that's the name of the company. To position ourselves to make Wicked Weed what we imagined it could be when we first sat at a craft beer bar and talked about opening a brewery. As a brewer, giving our team more resources to continue innovating our portfolio and the ability to reach more craft drinkers allows us to keep putting the beer and the people first. So I feel like that does give you some insight, although we can't fully know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's things that people say publicly, and then there's, you know, yeah, things behind that. So I we mean, don't, you know. You know, I think I'm on the mind of, you know, whatever, it's a business. People are going to do what they feel is best for them, except when it becomes a monopoly of resources. Um, so I don't know. I'm assuming you're going to talk a little bit about yeah. the hops. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what concerns me. Right. And that's where things just start to come into play. But we'll get it. We'll get into that in a second. Oh, okay. um, Jumping ahead. So basically, uh, some of the things that that happened after the the acquisition, uh, the Wicked Weed had put together this thing called the Funkatorium Invitational, which was a beer uh, festival, basically that they were going to host at their location in Asheville, and they're going to have a bunch of breweries show up, and it was going to be all hundred percent of the proceeds going to a charity, a local charity down there. Um, and when the announcement of the acquisition from by Anheuser-Busch and Bev came out, a lot of breweries started dropping from that festival, pulling out and saying, you know, we wish Wicked Weed the best, but we're severing ties with them, basically. We don't want to participate because we have values that run opposite of being acquired by Anheuser-Busch and Bev and what Anheuser-Busch and Bev does. So we can't be a part of this anymore. So... They started, they were just, over a few days, it was like kind of more and more each day until it has now gotten to a point where they had to cancel it um, because they didn't have enough. But they are going to do another one in September of this year that they say will also have the same focus of 100% of proceeds going to that charity. So there was a, there was some, there were some issues um, spawning off of that, which were Wicked Weed and Jester King used to be really good friends. Uh, before this acquisition. They're super, super close. And actually, I was listening to an episode of po- uh, Session Podcast uh, by the Brewing Network where they um, some people from Jester King were on and uh, a representative from Wicked Weed called in just to like chat, basically, mm-hmm. and say, oh, we love these people and stuff. And it was hard because I was listening to it very coincidentally listening to it after this acquisition had happened and their relationship splintered and so you get a good sense of how close they were and that's unfortunate that you know that relationship can't stay but I understand you know Uh, and and that kind of leads to um these relationships will will die if you if you go against other people's values and and that's part of what Rebecca was talking about accepting responsibility for the choices that you make and I wonder how ready Wicked Weed was. Like, how much did they think they would get backlash? I have to think that it wasn't, that they didn't anticipate as much as it ended up being. They've been savaged by people on their social media, like Twitter, Facebook. Um, I don't know about in person. I don't know if people have showed up to the to the brewery and been rude or, or said anything that, that was mean or anything. Like, I'm sure maybe here or there, hopefully not much. But people get really over the top, especially with social media, as everybody knows, having to do and with just, everything in the world. I mean, I also have to just think, like, I think it's, you know, again, you put your money where your values are. And I think that's, again, why people are so 
passionate right now about the current political climate because it does really touch on certain people's core values. Um, I think it's kind of interesting, I guess, that some people find it so... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like Offensive? No, that you find it... It's so, like, beer is so important to you over some of the other issues that are going on right now, you know? I mean, it's the like, same thing with sports, though. I know, we like, talk about this all the time, like... People get so into sports when it's not important in the like, grand scheme of things. My big thing is, like, man, people, like, dedicate their whole Sundays to watching football games. Like, think about how much time that is and how much money and how we could put that to a more... Effective use, use yeah. of you know making the world a better place, but right. that's again a, a different. So sometimes I'm like, I mean, beer is great, but at the same time, like, why don't we put our time and money into like something that really matters? Yeah, no, I know. I mean, then again, we are we're doing a, a podcast. beer podcast, but <laughs> yeah, anyway. Exactly. So yeah, but um, so things did get like a tad bit on the nasty side between Chester yeah. King and, and that, I just that's unfortunate. Yeah, but, you know, this is one of the things that happens. And and I think this also goes back to its business type thing. You know, the friendship was because I think both the breweries were acting as if, you know, they were just having a good time and doing what they want to do and being happy about everything. And then a business decision was made, and that came in between things and totally changed the dynamic. But basically what happened is Wicked Weed had put out a press release about the issue with with people pulling out of this Funkatorium Invitational, and they called out in it, you know, just reminding people 100% of, pro- of proceeds for this are supposed to go to this charity, which was, I don't know how that was put out there. Like, there's a problem with just reading text and not actually hearing yeah. someone talk. You can interpret it in different ways. And so to some people it came off as, you're calling these breweries out saying you, you're you don't bad. care about charity. Yeah. Oh, you don't care about charities. So there was a response from some breweries, Jester King included, but some other breweries as well saying, look, we're not going to be a part of this, but we are going to donate directly to the charity, which is great. But it is also kind of the pushback of now your turn. Like now, you know what I mean? And uh, Jester King even took it further and actually put out on social media a photo of their receipt of a thousand dollar donation to that charity, which is great. So, I mean, honestly, I think in the end, this charity is, it's definitely winning. Well, I mean, yeah, think about all the publicity in this. Well, also, I which mean, is good, think which about, is a great side. Even, aspect even bad publicity is good pub- publicity. I've had too much of this Brooklyn beer already. Um, <laughs> You know, so maybe that's Jester King's motive is to just get publicity. Well, I don't know, but um, no, I think it's more of a feelings type it's thing. The, it's again their core values. Yeah, no, I mean it is. It you know, is. when you strike someone's core values, that's. But there has there have also been people who um, Wicked Weed has made it uh, possible for people to get refunds on their tickets if they want it, which is good of them. Uh, and there have been people who have been saying on social media, I am refunding and then I'm taking that money and donating it directly yeah. to the charity. So once again, the charity's winning, which is good. That's definitely... What charity is this? It's like called Eblin Charities or something like that. I actually, I didn't look too for, far into it. I don't know exactly what they do, but it's charity, which is great. I'm going to look um, it up. Yeah, go ahead. Also, I am really digging this beer. Yeah, it's good. Brooklyn? Uh, so... Going a little bit further, so, you know, you were talking about the resources type thing. So, um, like we said, some people view this as it's a good thing for things like distribution and Wicked Weed being able to grow. Some people view it as, I don't even care, you know, it is what it is. And some people are like, this is bad. And where people are coming from on the this is bad, and this is where I'm, I side on this whole thing, is Anheuser-Busch in Bev has for years tried to do what they can to push out the little guys in the craft beer industry. They've been fighting against craft beer for a long time. They try to introduce legislation that is counterproductive to the craft beer industry thriving. Um, And then when they, I mean, basically when they figured out that they couldn't 
beat people, they decide to start purchasing these people. You can't beat them, getting... join them. Well, <laughs> if you think about it, they're they're literally just taking that market share back. You know, with a situation like Wicked Weed, where they are, they have a large part of that market because they're so popular and they make such great beer. So if they walk in, you know, AB InBev walks in, they can throw money at it and say, here, we'll purchase this. It's basically like they just purchased a share of the industry, you know, like they just pulled it right out and into, into their entity. They just absorbed it. So they just get an uptick in all their sales because any sales for Wicked Weed is now sales for them. So you have that going on. Um, so, I mean, win-win for them. That's great. But I personally remember way back when, many, many years back, when AB InBev was trying to kill Dogfish Head because Dogfish Head was right. gaining so much steam, doing so well financially, and getting so much of the market that they were like, we got to stop this. How did they try to do that? With They tried to litigate to death Sam Calgione and Dogfish Head. They tried to take them to court as much as they could over stupid things like names of beers uh, case in point, chicory stout and pumpkin ale, and tried to to just kill them with lawyer fees is what they tried to do. Now that's horrible. That that is some dirty shit, and it's terrible. And I had never forgotten that. That has always stuck in my mind, which is why I have a problem with breweries purchasing craft beer breweries, and I make a conscious effort to not purchase from breweries that are purchased by AB InBev because I don't want my money going to AB InBev for that reason. Now, some people can probably look back and point at times during the podcast when we have had AB InBev products, and we have. I can't stop that because of when, you know, Rebecca picks out the beers or Mike picks out the beers or other people on tournaments bring out, bring beers, and, you know, and that's fine because the podcast isn't about necessarily taking purchasing sides like that, it is what it is. If AB and Bev beers end up being on the podcast, they end up being on the podcast and that's what it is. There have although been instances where I pull things out of my cellar. I have some old uh, Goose Island Bourbon County stouts in the basement, but they're years old. Probably about a year or so ago is when I made this decision to not purchase. And I know on a recent episode, or I don't know if this is coming out before or after it, but on a recent episode that we did, either in the past or the future, uh, I talk about a place that we were and I had a sampler of Goose Island's Juliet. Oh, right. So that was, you know, that's AB InBev. Now, I'm fine with just doing like a sampler here or there because I'm not purchasing a bunch of their stuff and it's supporting the bar. But um, I try not to do it like, you know, all that often. And... Am I going to stop purchasing Wicked Weed in the future? Yes, I do plan to not purchase Wicked Weed. We still have some from when we were there and they were in, independent. I will cherish drinking that beer. I will yeah, love well, it. A decent amount. Yeah, and we're going to, like I said, do a brewery showcase episode, which I should be really cool. It. I, it's, it's awesome beer. Um, but I, I do plan we're going to savor and Wicked Weed will be there and I do plan to stop by and try their beers. So in instances where I can just try it, and I'm not giving money, or it's just like a sample, I'm fine with that. You know, that that's where I'm comfortable. But other than that, I'm not going to give money. So, um, I was, you know, one of the things I was just, and I just read a quote that I maybe kind of answers my question, but I'm thinking, why is this such a big deal when this has happened before? Why is the backlash with just Wicked Weed such a big deal? I think it's because Wicked Weed is significantly more specialized than the other breweries that have been acquired. Yeah. And I'm going to also point this out. They are a, they make way better product overall. I mean, Goose Island was the first big one and they they have Bourbon County. So that that is like an awesome beer. It's probably always going to be an awesome beer except for their QA now are you going to keep are you going to try to buy more Bourbon County? No. No. And I didn't last year because I made the conscious decision I'm not going to anymore. Carlin so, also stays, who will stay true to his word. I do. I do. Um, so they did a good job there and that was a niche thing. Like that was, that was an important acquisition for AB InBev because, yeah. you know, Goose Island's Bourbon County Stout is like yeah. notoriously the best bourbon barrel aged stout. And it was one of the first, you know, it was the big one. 
So they hit big by getting that one, and that was like high mark. But the core, it was their whale. But a lot of the core stuff for Goose Island doesn't get a whole lot of hype, and it's it's not like crazy awesome to people. You know, like Elysian, Elysian did hoppy beers, and they do some really good hoppy beers, like Space Dust. But everybody does hoppy beers now, right? Wasn't that so? A lot of people didn't care that much. They acquired Breckenridge. Nobody even gives a shit about Breckenridge anymore, by by and large. They have fallen behind the times so much that nobody cared about that acquisition. Blue Point's kind of another one that fell behind the times, and no one cared about that acquisition. Wicked Weed hurts because they're on the cutting edge, and they were at the forefront of sour beers, while spontaneous fermentation, as people like it to be referred to. Um, They were doing something significantly more unique. It's not like they're just doing hoppy beers because everyone's doing that. They're doing very intricate, well-blended wild ales. And that hurts people because you can't go and get those types of beers with that type of quality all that often. So that's why I think it was a big deal. Well, that's exactly kind of what I'm just reading through. I was trying to do research on what that charity was, but I stumbled upon this quote, which I think is interesting. Jesse Friedman, the founder of Almanac... You really I, I freaking okay. love Almanac, by the way. They make great sour beers while um, spontaneous fermentation. So he said, quote, I think Wicked Weed really represents a, a kind of craft beer darling in a lot of ways. We would sort of describe it as losing one of the cool kids. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah. And that's, and, that's what uh, and, and that's from Almanac, who does something similar to what Wicked Weed does. They're in that same kind of, like, grouping. That makes me sad. Yeah. Though, a little bit now. Yeah. Like, a cool kid. So, let's let's delve into this a little bit further. And this is long. And it's, oh, my gosh. Know, it's just, Ugh. that's why you can keep sipping I know, beer. I'm getting drunker and drunker. Okay, well. I'm not really, drunk. I'm not really drunk. You can still but. contribute, but. So, let's go a little bit further. There was an article. How much further can we go? We're going further. So there was an article written by, um, or a blog post, I guess it kind of was, by Chris Heron. And he is one of the founders and owners of Creature Comforts Brewing oh. in Athens, Georgia. Yes. Which, they're well-known. Um, they're, they're becoming pretty well-known on the, on the beer scene. So he wrote an article, and everyone should look for it if you have interest. And it's called, Watch the Hands, Not the Cards, The Magic of Mega Brew. And it's basically his feelings on what the long-term plan either is or could be for Anheuser-Busch InBev and how basically it's a bad omen for the craft beer industry. Um, So I read some of that. I didn't read the entire thing. It is actually very long. I kind of, I read like whole large chunks, but then I also only skimmed portions because I didn't really have time to go through the entire thing. But between that and doing a lot of my own thinking, which Rebecca will tell you I did do because I verbalized a lot of stuff to her over days. Oh my gosh. To the point that I'm like, can we talk about something else? Yeah. So between those things and some other stuff that I've read in in articles online, uh, I came up with a bunch of things that I think need to be talked about, uh, about, you know, what AB and Bev may be doing. And one of the things that was in the article by Chris Heron has come is looking like it's potentially already coming to fruition, which is uh, there's a one of the ideas is with taking in these craft breweries, uh, AB InBev is creating a situation where they can consume a lot more resources, which will take away from these craft breweries that are out there and hopefully then stifling them, stifling their ability to make sales, stifling their ability to afford resources such as hops and grain and and fruit for wild fermentations and, you know, whatever. And this is now being seen actually in, in a situation with some hops from South Africa. Uh, S.A.B. Miller Coors, who was recently purchased by Anheuser-Busch InBev, owned some hop distributors out of South Africa, and all the hops were grown there. Now, they were selling to craft breweries, these hops. And since AB InBev has taken over, they have now announced that these um, hop distributors who they now own will not be selling any hops to to independently owned craft breweries. 
and all their hops will only be available to the breweries that Anheuser-Busch InBev owns. So there you have them going out in the world, carving out some of these resources and pulling them all under their umbrella and saying, here's an incentive too. Basically saying, here's an incentive to anybody who wants access to, to, to these resources to be purchased by us. And you know they're still going around offering to purchase other breweries. They've been doing it, I'm sure. You have to actually see Carlin's My hands, how I'm talking with my hands. Because he, it's, I'm emphatic about he's it. He's like but, you know. making gestures. He's like hugging himself. Because it feels so bad. I gotta I hug know. myself. But so. Um, this charity's making out. Yes. On their I Facebook know. page, Jester King, Allagash, Upland Brewery. Yeah, plenty of these breweries give them money, which is good. So you have the aspect of the resources there. You have the aspect of what I was talking about, where they're actually just. AB and Bev's just basically purchasing market share, like with some of these larger breweries when they're able to get it, like Wicked Wheat. Now, another aspect has to do with distribution. So, AB and Bev actually owns some distributors, and they can basically decide who they're able to carry. You know, uh, there are breweries who obviously, you know, they need distribution, so they um, will bring, you know, they'll sign on with AB InBev uh, distributorship. And then what's happening is AB InBev is getting a cut. They're getting a cut of these sales of these breweries. Now, I know that in our state, you know, Dogfish Head, I believe, and Trogues are two that come to mind who are being distributed through an AB InBev distributor. So whenever you're purchasing from liquor stores or beer shops, those beers AB InBev's getting a cut. So there they're getting in that way too now. Mm. Now another thing they're doing is they're incentivizing, or as some people would say, bribing. This feels like um, Big Brother. They're bribing other distributors to say, hey, if you if X percent of all your sales annually is all products that we own, you know, whether it be like regular Anheuser-Busch named products or Wicked Weed or Goose Island or whatever. If it adds up to a certain percentage, you get this kickback at the yeah. end of the year. And it's like, well, from what I've heard, it's like six-figure kickbacks, okay? Right. So what distributorships wouldn't be interested in yeah. getting six figures back, okay? So there they are bribing these distributors to push their stuff over independent beer. So they're trying to squeeze them out that way. Then you come to the uh, the aspect of... Something that's that's being uh, actually no that fits into it actually the the whole um, this bribery thing actually I saw an article recently is being investigated apparently in Massachusetts right now they're having this whole like pay to play situation going on and AB and Bev is being investigated for it so shady but also one of the things that I've heard is going on is they're pricing they're trying to push craft breweries out by pricing their beers so low. Now, being able to get resources the way they're getting their resources helps for them to be able to get their cost on things down. Because if you think about it, if they're large enough, they can get contracts with, you know, hop farms or, you know, people providing grains or fruit or whatever. Um, they can get, you know, a, a discount if they're buying in a large enough quantity. So they can get the cost down a little bit so then they can bring down the cost of their beers. Then they can get them on the shelf, which will be cheaper than these other craft breweries. And people who are price conscious will look at that and say, oh, here's an IPA that's a dollar cheaper than this IPA. Yeah. I'll take this one. Um, and it's quality because they're buying quality breweries. Right. You know? So that's where this fits into. They're going to keep trying to purchase breweries, as I'm sure most people have assumed. But they're also doing this issue where they're going into bars and other places that actually have taps, and they're basically pricing kegs to just be just be a cash cow for these people in these establishments. And they basically say, look, you give us one dedicated tap, or you give us numerous dedicated taps, and you're going to get these kegs of these beers for, signi for significantly under the cost of these yeah. other beers. So well, they're coming is... in and they're trying to 
push these breweries out of the taps. They're trying to push them out of the liquor stores slash beer stores. Doom and gloom. Well, here's the thing. Now, it goes back to what we were saying in the beginning about, in a positive light, this is business. You know, these are businesses. What What is the goal of your typical business? Make money. Exactly. Anheuser-Busch InBev is doing exactly that. They're trying to do what they can to make as much money as they can. They could care less about the craft beer community. Actually, it isn't even that they care less. They wish it ill. To the point that they want their their breweries. They want to be they, the community. Yeah, they want their craft breweries to survive. But that's only after they've finally accepted the fact that they can't kill craft beer altogether. So they're just... Dis- in summation, for me, they're a destructive force. They're going to, you know, if you let it go long enough, and these changes are slow, so it's harder to see than if they would be happening fast. But if you let it go long enough, this is going to take it to a place where true craft beer nerds don't want it to go, which is having a lot less options. If they're successful. So, your thoughts. I'm depressed. <laughs> Why are you depressed? This is business. I know it is. This is business. It is business. It's kind of frightening, though. I feel like we're, I feel like this is like Hunger Games. In a way. Part of the problem is, and it's something we kind of touched on earlier, is that craft, the craft beer community has kind of emerged as being atypical when it comes to consumer communities. You know, it's been a lot less about competition and a lot more about collaboration. And when these breweries start being purchased by a larger overarching company that does not want to compete or that doesn't want to collaborate, but just wants to compete and try and get rid of people, that's not what everyone else is doing, you know? So, and you, you can look at things further down the line too and say, you know, as, as AB InBev, if they continue to be successful in what they're trying to do long term, as they get more and more of the market share, then that means you're having less and less of the market available to a large number of craft breweries, which continues to grow, which then means at what point do these craft breweries get stressed to the extent that they stop collaborating with each other? Because it becomes competition because they have to fight for it. Because I'm thinking of like other industries and like, yeah, you don't have, I'm thinking about like certain clothing stores that I shop at. You don't have the two of them collaborating on a new clothing line. That's why the craft beer community Um, is so, it's so unique, this industry. um, You don't have two hospitals collaborating together for a certain, I mean, sometimes you do, like doctors will, but it's not like advertised you know most people want to keep their special skills to themselves yeah and because the craft beer industry and community is so different and unique i think is why one of the main reasons i don't subscribe to it's just business it's okay it's just business because because what the craft beer industry and community are this is not just business it's it's a it's kind of an outright attack by AB InBev in a sense. It, it's more covert because it's happening over a more long term time, and it's less aggressive, except for the recent you know thing with the hops. Um, but yeah, that's my take, and you know, take it or leave it. And like I said, you yeah. know, Carlin definitely yeah. like has like picked a side and feels strongly. Um, I, I'm just, I don't, I don't know what to make of it. Well, this incident and everything that happened after it and all the information I read after it is what solidified me as hard as I am in it yeah. right now. Uh, prior to that, I was like, I'd just rather not purchase AB and Bev stuff. Right. And so I wasn't for about a year or so. But prior to that, I was like, you know, I don't really care. Good beer well, is like, good beer. 10 bar- barrel, like... You were like, oh, that I really want to try. I really want to try it. And now that we can try it because it's around here now, you're like, ah, no, I'm not doing that. Well, yeah, because they're AB and right. now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I tried some of their stuff before they were purchased. Yeah. So. But 
Did you have anything else that you think you needed to add? I think we may have covered it exhaustively. We're, we're at an hour Oh right my now. gosh. <laughs> I mean, in all fairness, the beers took like around 15 minutes or so. So it wasn't an entire hour talking about In it. all fairness, I'm just sitting here like sipping on my coffee porter intensified. These beers are good. Uh, may I point out that the beers we're drinking are made by independent craft breweries. But. Yes. But at any rate, you know, I, I said all these things. It, sa- it probably sounds kind of vitriolic towards Wicked Weed. I don't, I don't hold Wicked Weed accountable for what AB InBev does. I think it's important to say that because, you know, Wicked Weed may not have had any idea what AB InBev is up to or what we're thinking they potentially are up to. And Wicked Weed may not see that. They may not care. Like, it was their business. They made their decision. They're dealing with the consequences of it. You know, we, like I said before, we don't fully know what their reasoning behind, you know, selling was, but hopefully we can find that out if they grant a interview, which I do have to say at this moment, uh, Alana Noppy, um, thank you very much for all your time and being super nice to me. She's the person I've been uh, going back and forth with at Wicked Weed. She's super cool and nice. And... She she had emailed me back basically and been like, um, given the information about this acquisition, are you do you still want an interview? And I don't know how to take that. Like I I mean I responded and I said I definitely still want an interview, but I will also be upfront and say that I would ask questions about the acquisition, and I'm saying that upfront because not I know some breweries may not want to talk about that, so you can choose to pass for that reason. Um, so I haven't heard back since then. It's been a bunch of days. Now, it could be because they're just super busy, because they are, because they're dealing with a lot right now. So we'll see. You know, maybe we have the interview, maybe we don't. But if we don't have the interview, it's because Wicked Weed chose not to. There was a dialogue open prior, so um, we are not choosing to not. Uh, we are fully open to them, you know, having a phone interview, whoever it may be, and saying whatever they want to say. And answering a few questions. And I hope we can have that dialogue because, you know, maybe they can change my mind on something. I don't know. But what you heard today is where I stand right now. Well, good thing we went to Asheville before this happened. (laughs) I know, right? If we were, could you imagine if we were in Asheville when the acquisition happened and we were like about to go to Wicked Weed? Well, can you imagine if this happened uh... like a year prior? Because we would be going to Asheville that year. Yeah. And then you'd be like, I'm not doing that. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, timing is everything sometimes. So, you okay. know. But uh, the beers that we tried, once again, the Yonder Cities collaboration, Union Brewing and DC Brow uh, Farmhouse IPA. Awesome. And the Brooklyn Brewing, what's it called? Just and Coffee Porter. Intensified. Intensified Coffee Porter aged in bourbon barrels. Nice. This Yonder City is not as bitter now that I'm going back to it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. So, but anyway, um, I'm sorry if people felt like this was a little too long. I'm sorry if people felt like this is a little too heavy because we typically don't get Yeah, this, this is like, ugh, depressing. We usually don't get this in-depth or this heavy about things, but, go, you know. Go, like, like have several drinks after listening to this. I, I, honestly, I, I hope people were able to enjoy drinks while listening to it. Oh, because you need it. That's how I want every one of our podcasts to be listened to. While people are having beers. God, life is so depressing. Yeah, and maybe I'd depress people a little more. That's why they make beer. Yes. But anyway, thank you everyone for checking this out. Um, If you want to throw feedback about this, like if you have different opinions on it, or you you agree with me, or just want to say anything, you can totally do that. Uh, You can send it to BrutalBattlePodcast at gmail.com. I'm still looking for a beach beer. Oh yeah, Rebecca's still... Update, Rebecca's still working for a beach beer. Actually... This might come out before that. So oh my gosh. Rebecca's okay. looking well, for the perfect beer to take to the yes. beach in the end of June. So please help. So ideas are appreciated as well. And you can you can throw that through social media as well. Twitter, yeah. which is at Brutal Battle on Carlin at Brutal Battle, or Facebook, just look for Brutal Battle. So anyway, thank you everyone. Uh Rebecca, do you have any last words before we're gone? No, I really like my new cat slippers. Yeah, she has slippers with cats on them. Which is looking at the brighter side of things. And I don't care. I'm, maybe I'm a crazy cat lady. I'll own it, I guess. <laughs> you have owned it because you just talked about your 
your cat slippers on a podcast. But I'm, I've been drinking. But that's just business. It's just business. <laughs> anyway. as, it's just business as usual. Awesome. Well, we're going to continue to sip on these beers. Thank you, everyone. And remember... Keep it brutal. This has been a Nerd Circle podcast production.